Hopefully you have a uh, Bible or electronic device that has the words of God on it. If you don't mind holding that up, shaking a little bit, making the bookstores glad and the devil mad, and let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. A few people get it. This is a spiritual weapon, right? We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities. This is the only thing that will keep the enemy at bay and knock him down instead of him knocking you down. Amen? You need to be reading your Bible. We've got the little Bible guides on the app or uh, the little piece of paper you can grab where you can follow along two chapters a day. Uh, and you need to be reading your Bible. Matter of fact, you might not be reading your Bible enough if you think Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are uh, sang songs in the 60s or something. And you might not be reading your Bible enough if your children keep asking about your bedtime stories and questioning your story about Jonah the shepherd boy and his ark of many colors. You might not be reading your Bible quite enough. But uh, I know you guys are in this room. But we're going to go and continue a series called Escape, The Great Escape, Escaping Temptation. And this is part two. You can go back on uh, the website and listen to the first message and get the, the first couple uh, letters I used in the word escape. But we're talking today about victory over temptation. And what's one thing every person who has ever lived has had to face? And that's temptation. We all do. Matter of fact, I don't know if you ran across this prayer that I ran across this week, but it says, Dear Lord, so far today I'm doing all right. I've not gossiped, not lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, or selfish. I've not whined, complained, cursed, or eaten any chocolate. I've not put anything on my credit card. But in a few minutes I'm going to be getting out of bed, and I really need your help. We kind of feel like that when we go through life. The scripture we base this on was 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, you will, He will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And we talked last week about there's no temptation that will be greater than what God won't make a way of escape. We talked about a man in England. Boats used to sink a lot because they'd overload them. And a guy named Plimsoll put a mark on boats called the Plimsoll mark. And that way they wouldn't load them beyond that mark. And then they weren't uh, sinking when they get out in the deep waters. And God has put a mark on your life and says, Devil, you can't go past this mark. And God will make a way of escape. And God is faithful. Amen. And God wants you to triumph over temptation. He really does. But we've got to rely on His faithfulness and His strength to make a way out of temptation. He does not want you to fail. He doesn't want you to fail like the kid that got caught eating the cookies out of the cookie jar his mom said not to. And she looks at him and asks him what happened. And he said, well, first of all, I just climbed up to smell the cookies. Now, you, said it was, it, you didn't say anything about smelling the cookies. And then when I smelled the cookies, a couple got caught on my teeth and they wouldn't fall off. And we kind of make excuses like that, don't we? Let's recap real quickly. The word escape, the letter E, stood for the word environment. Your spiritual growth, your environment is crucial to your spiritual growth. Your environment can even make or break you. I said this last week, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But your environment consists of these things. It consists of the type of friends you have, the places you go, and the caliber of Christian you give your heart to. That can make a difference as far as your environment. Matter of fact, the Proverbs 13, 20, the Message Bible, says, Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. 
The S stood for spend time with God. You need to have a quiet time with God. The more you spend time with somebody, the more you recognize their voice. My wife can call. I know who it is. I spend time with her. The more time you spend with God, the more you can discern between your voice, the enemy's voice, and God's voice. And it might just be God's voice if it lines up with His Word. It might just be God's voice if it brings conviction instead of condemnation. It might just be God's voice if you're see- while you're seeking Him, you get a thought other than what you could think of. It might just be God's voice. And it might be God's voice if it's consistent with His character. And it might not be God's voice if it's pushy, if it's loud. Kind of like the old used car salesman. I mean, just kind of that pushy feeling. There's a good chance it might not be God. Let's talk about having victory over temptation. We're going to read out of Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus was tempted. Now, if you've been following your Bible reading guide, you would have read this this week. Just in the last few days, you'd have read it. And so you would already have the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And so you'll get a lot more out of this when you just read along. But I'm going to start a couple verses before that story actually starts. And it's Matthew 3.16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry... Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. He said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. You know, even the devil knows the words. But he, does, he just gives you part of it. It is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. A couple things in the scripture you need to recognize about temptation. First of all, temptation is not sin. The Bible says Jesus was tempted. And in Hebrews 4, it says that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in all things, yet without sin. And so Jesus was tempted, but he did not sin. Sin is the devil knocking at the door, or temptation is him knocking at the door. Sin is when you open the door and let it in. There's a difference. So temptation is not sin, and temptation cannot be prevented. Okay? The old monk was once tempted, and he figured, I'll just run into a cave and hide. But he said, I found that temptation even followed me into the cave. You can't hide from it. Martin Luther puts it this way. First of all, the goal is not to stop the temptation, it's to stop the sinning. Martin Luther said, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Correct. All right? Another thing about temptation, it does not mean God's disappointed with you. And it does not mean that you're unspiritual. Okay? Just remember those things about temptation. And the Bible teaches us, as we just looked in this story, that temptation can come after a spiritual high. Think about Jesus. 
What we read right before the temptation. It says, he was baptized by John. The heavens split open and the audible voice of God, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. A dove is circling over him. I mean, his ministry is being launched in a magnificent way. Correct? And then, what has happened in the next verse, then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and the devil tempted him. A great spiritual high. A lot of times after success is when the enemy can come and hit you. Think about Joseph. He went from the pit to the prison to the palace. And he's, when he, he's in the palace and he's in charge of things. I mean, nobody would really know what he could get away with. And Potiphar's wife said, I want to sleep with you. And he said, I don't want to sin against God. Not just that I don't want to get caught, but I don't want to sin against God. See, the enemy sees even what other people don't see. And you get access to your life. But he ran from it during a successful time in his life. He was, a, he was tempted. So there's something about success that can bring particular temptations. In a sermon by Bill Hybels, the title of the sermon was Surviving Success. Here's what happens when everything goes right. Okay? Listen to this progression. You overtax your body and emotions. You tend to lack sleep, proper exercise and nutrition. You neglect your wife and kids expecting one day to catch up. You neglect your walk with God because who has the time? You become immune to accountability. And before long, you begin to feel entitled as if the rules don't apply to you. See that subtle progression, how it goes? See, there's something about power and authority that's attractive. I mean, look at Donald Trump. I don't think it's his hair that's doing it, is it? That's attracting people. And you've got to understand, you can't wait until temptation strikes to prepare yourself. Specifically when dealing with sexual temptation. Someone said this statement. God is never more unreal than in a moment of lust. And the unprepared believer is practically an atheist when it comes to these type, he or she, when it comes to these type of temptations. I mean, no one goes to the altar on their wedding day thinking, hey... I'm going to have an adulterous affair. I mean, you don't do that. that. I mean, nobody in this room would think that at that point. But I think John MacArthur is right when he says it this way. When a man falls into sexual sin, he doesn't fall far. He has had many small compromises along the way. And we think there's these great falls. I know, it was just a series of little steps where you get farther away from God. Just little subtle things. The devil can tempt you when you have great success. He can also tempt you when you're tired, discouraged, Maybe you don't feel like fighting. I ran hurdles in college and was not very good to start with my freshman year. I mean, these hurdles came up to my belly button. And, but I saw there was a coach who just believed in me. He kept encouraging me. He kept just working with me. And it just ended up doing very well, not getting beaten hurdles. Went on to, And I really feel he was the guy that really helped me to go play professional football because of just his, he, he just stayed after and just worked with me. But I remember one thing he would tell me, because when I get a little tired, I would get sloppy in my form, my hurdle form. And when I got sloppy, I would begin to hit hurdles. And when you begin to hit hurdles, you do what? You fall down. And he would just always challenge me. He'll say, you're tired now. Now's when we need to work. Now's when you need to work on your form. See, I'm telling you, when you get tired, that's when you feel like, oh, I just give up. I'm telling you, that's when you need to really suck it up and get that word out even more. And begin to speak the word. And begin to stand on the word of God. Because the enemy knows 
when you're weak. He knows what to use, doesn't he? Luke 4.13. This is the same story that we read in Matthew, only this one's the account by Luke the physician. And at the end of that story about the temptation, he has this verse in 13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The enemy looks for that opportune time. Matter of fact, the first temptation came after Jesus was hungry. And then he came and tempted him. So he looks for opportune times. It's kind of like when you're on a a diet and you're doing pretty good and you get a little discouraged or you have some bad news and you see those Oreos and you just have three or four of them. But then you think, jeez, I blew it. And so you eat the whole box. I mean, after the three or four, just stop right there. Say, okay, I messed up. I'm going to get back on track. Just don't give up. And sometimes we do like that when we kind of crack that door open in an area where we've been doing pretty good, but we crack it and we knew we shouldn't even crack it because the enemy will stick his foot in there. And then we just, oh, I just give up. I'm telling you, God wants to help you be successful and have victory over, uh, over these kind of things. Okay? Well, let's go to the next letter. Okay? The next letter is... Ding, ding, ding. Oh, it's a daily double. You get two C's today. All right? The first C is the word confess. Say confess. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's only when we take responsibility of our failure, of our sins, and we confess that God will come and cleanse. I'm telling you, He's as good as His word. You confess... He will cleanse, and He'll clean you up. Amen? And it's not just a one-time action. This is the present perfect tense. That means it's continuing, it's ongoing. Matter of fact, there's even a scripture in 1 John that says, when you have fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses you. That's why it's important to be connected and be a part of a church. Say confess. You know, we had a guest speaker, and I... I think it was Jay Threadgill that said this. But he was talking about how sometimes we, we kind of get in a rut and we, fall, we trip over the same thing, have the same sin, and we kind of go to God and think, God, you're getting tired of hearing this. Here I am again, the same thing. And we finally just, we stop confessing. And I remember him saying, never stop confessing. I mean, no matter how many times it is, continue to go to your Father in heaven, continue to confess, continue to tell Him. Okay? Because eventually, I tell you, when you line up with what He says, you'll see the breakthrough. James 5, 14. Listen to this verse, kind of a different twist here. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. How many know that scripture? That's why people come up, we anoint him with oil, and we use that scripture. But listen what else it says. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want you to just think a minute. Could it be possible that certain sins open a door for sickness to come in? Not every, and hear me, not every sickness is because you did something wrong at all. We're just in a world where there's sin. The devil comes to steal, kill, kill and destroy. There's germs, viruses. That's why I would definitely... Plead the blood of Jesus over yourself every morning and say the word of God that no plague will come near my dwelling, no evil will befall me, and have some scripture to speak out. Just to, that's the best vaccine you can get is the word of God. But see, there is a courtroom in heaven, even right now, 
where the enemy goes before the great judge and accuses the brethren. And say, what about so-and-so? Remember what he did? But the great judge says, remember what? I mean, I forgave him, and his sins are as far as the east is from the west. But he could come in and see some of you, and catch this on finances. Some of you come in and, oh, God, I, this is going on in my finances. The enemy's just stealing from him. Lord, you just said rebuked it about. But the enemy's going up there in a legal court case and legally can say, hey, you know I can steal from that person because that's what your word says. And God's not going to go against his word when he says, when you give tithes and offerings, then I'll rebuke the devour. And see, you don't under, we don't even understand the legal things that are going on in the heavenlies and how the enemy... See, the enemy, in one hand, cannot touch you. But sin opens the door for him to have legal access. I was really challenged in my spiritual walk when I was fairly young and still kind of wanted to hold on to some worldly things and still kind of do this and, and do that. And I, I'm thinking, man, I'm, God, I'm giving you 99% of my heart. Anybody that's in real estate understands that you can sell a 1,000 acres of land and keep one acre in the middle and you can legally build an access road to get to that piece of land. So you can give your heart 99% to God, but you have that one little piece that you haven't given the Lord, the enemy has access to go all the way in there. And I believe there's certain, especially the sin of unforgiveness can open a door, I believe, for sickness to work its way in and eventually come through stomach problems and, and arthritis. And I'm not saying everything. Please hear me. But it can... Man, if it's a chance it can open a door, I want to back up and say, hey, am I covered in this area? Man, do I have anybody I need to forgive? And you might have every legal right in your mind to hold them accountable. But I'm telling you, it'll just eat you up and tear you up. I'd rather give them to God and let Him deal with them. I'm, that's the first step of freedom in your life is forgiveness. The other C is claim scripture. When the devil's tempted Jesus, he responded by, it is written. The very word of God used the word of God. Jesus is the word. And this Bible's a sword. It's a weapon. Psalm 119.11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have you ever seen cows just stand in the field, chewing their cud, just... Their mouth just going constantly just chewing away. Well, why is that? Well, first of all, they have four stomachs. The first stomach's called the rumen, and they take in that grass, and they can bring it back up again and chew on it some more to break it down some more. Well, when the Bible says we're to meditate, that word comes from that word like ruminate, which means to go over in the mind repeatedly, often casually or slowly, and to engage in contemplation and reflection. And just like a cow can call up its cud, you ought to be able to call up the Word of God when it's needed. But I'm telling you, anybody that has any experience with computer, if you don't put any information in that computer, you don't get any information out. You put a lot of information in there, you can get a lot out. And I'm telling you, if you don't put any of this Word in you, how can you pull any out? You need to memorize this stuff. And when I say that, I'm telling you, it can be done. Because I am not a great student. I'm not somebody that can just say, hey, memorize this stuff. I mean, my son's doing the acting thing, and you give him a, a thing of lines, and man, he can, he can just crank them off. But I'm telling you, this is doable for anybody in this room. A lady challenged me, a spiritual prayer warrior, and she said, tell me, it does say, and she showed me the scripture, where it says we're to write this word on the tablet of our heart. As a matter of fact... That is, is Proverbs 7.3, to write the word on the tablet of your heart. Then she asked me, well, how do you do that? 
I said, well, I give up. How do we do that? And it's in Psalm 45.1. It says, the tongue is a pen to the heart. When you run this word over your tongue, it'll carve it on your heart. And they were given, I think we have these books out in the foyer. They're called Mighty Prayer Warrior or Becoming a Prayer Warrior. The back of them are just scriptures for every day. Linnell has that book. And I know about every time I get up here, I talk about this. But I'm telling you, it's so foundational, it's so powerful. And it's so simple. And I just found out, hey, I got a little workout place at my house. And I just, I do my, you know, my three sets of bench. And then I pick up the book. And I say, no weapon formed against me. And now I just pick up the book and I see the first word. And it just comes out of my mouth. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me and judge. I could go on for two pages. Why? Because just once a day, once a week, over... See, you do one thing, it's just a little thing, but you continue to do it. I'm telling you, now it just comes out. So just write it on a postcard, write it on your mirror, if there's one scripture you need for right now, and just say it over and over and say it out loud. So it goes into the atmosphere, so it comes back and builds your faith. So the enemy hears, hears it and he has to bow his knee. Got a little extra there. Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell one story about Chuck Swindoll, great man of God and a, and a great writer of Christian books. He tells this story when he was in Canada for eight days, and he still had two more days to go. And I want to read from his words. He said, I was having a pity party for myself and supper alone. I bought a newspaper, thumbed through the sports section, and found nothing but hockey, the favorite of Canadians, but not mine. So I walked toward the elevator. En route, I heard a couple of young women talking and laughing as they used the hotel lobby phone. I smiled as I passed a few steps, later punched the up button on the elevator. I got on, so did the two women. I punched six, and they didn't reach for the row of buttons. So I asked, what floor? One looked at me sensually and said, how about six? Do you have any plans? Into my mind, in an instant, flashed the word, Galatians 6, 7. Don't be misled. You will always reap what you sow. During the elevator lift, the memorized word flew to my rescue. Right on time, I replied, I've got a full evening plan. I'm not really interested. They looked at me like I was from another planet as I stepped off the elevator, and they stayed on. That word came to his rescue. It's a mighty weapon. It'll help you gain victory. The A in the word escape stands for accountability. Say accountability. Maybe you've heard accountability groups, but the problem with these, sometimes you just pour out your heart groups. Okay, we share our faults, problems, sins, we pray for each other, but there's no real accountability that takes place. True accountability is when you confess a sin or a need, and then you give somebody permission and the leverage to hold you accountable. That means they're going to help you stop doing something, stop doing a bad thing, and start, start doing a good thing. Sharing your heart with somebody is telling them you have a, perno- a problem with pornography on the internet, that's sharing your problem. Accountability is asking them to keep your computer until you get through that problem and checking on you to see if you're using anybody else's computer. Sharing your heart, young person, is telling somebody you have problems with your parents and you're pretty rebellious. Accountability is having them call your parents once a week to see how you're doing and how you're treating them. The difference is like a chihuahua versus a rottweiler. That's kind of the difference in those two things. It's a big difference. A horse in Canada... In a horse pull, one horse would pull 9,000 pounds. The other horse horse would pull 8,000 pounds. Okay, you think together, we add that up, they'd pull 1,700 pounds. They found they pulled 30,000 pounds, much more than they could individually. It goes with Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. 
For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up again. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. And how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a three-strand cord is not easily broken. The Scripture speaks to strength and encouragement of deep relationships. Howard Henricks, was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, did a study and found out in 246 instances of great men of God who had a moral failure that out of 246 of them, not one of them had an accountability partner as another man. Not one of them. 100% across the board. One of the greatest scriptural examples of accountability is found in Daniel. That's where Daniel had his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm telling you, they went through some tremendous pressure. They went through the fire, and they stood strong because they were there to hold each other accountable and stay strong. Accountability is the key to long-lasting discipleship and moral protection. Do you have those kind of relationships in your life? If so, maybe they just need strengthening and add a little more accountability to them. If you don't, maybe you need to write down some names of those who you could provide accountability to or could provide some to you. Ask the Holy Spirit and try to find somebody near your age. And in some cases, somebody older is fine. But in, a lot of ca- in most cases, it needs to be the same gender. That means same sex, okay? Guy, guy, girl, girl, okay? It's just better that way. It really is. So I'm going to close. I want you to, I'm just thinking about a time when I'd go fishing back in Nebraska and we'd go get some worms and go to the bullhead pond. I don't know if you fish for bullheads down here, but it's kind of like a little catfish. And we'd go get worms and we had this, this little, it was just a metal rod with, that you just plug into something. And you just stick it in the ground and just send electricity through the ground. Surprised we didn't get shocked off the deal. But night crawlers just come scooting out of the ground. And we get those night crawlers and we'd go fishing. And some days you just catch a bunch of fish. Other days they might not be biting on that and you wouldn't catch anything. Well, you know, the enemy's like that. He knows what you're biting on. You know, one day it may be lust. The other day it may be pride. Another time it may be money. But he knows your weaknesses, and he knows when you're the weakest. And he knows when to come, just like that. You know, next week, we're going to talk about the camouflage of temptation, the cause of temptation, and the consequences of temptation. But when temptation comes, I remind you again, God is faithful to make a way of escape. Okay? And again, environment, crucial to your spiritual growth. It'll make or break you. How many remember a great show, Hee Haw? Who's the youngest person that's seen Hee Haw in here? There's a kind of a young one. But anyhow, old Doc Campbell on one show was confronted by a patient who broke his arm in two places. The doc replies, well, then stay out of them places. Literally, you just, some of you just need to stay away from certain places, cut some ties to certain people. Your environment, again, will make or break you. Break you. The other one was spend time with God. Focus more on getting strong with God so much as trying to stay away from the temptation. I said last week, don't think about pink elephants. Don't think, and, you know, once you say don't think about something, it just, it's just right there. But focus on getting to know God. It says in Daniel 11, 32, those that know their God will be strong and do exploits. You want to get strong, get to know your God. And C was confess your sins and claim Scripture. 
And the A, accountability. You know, it's great to have a friend when you fall down. There's somebody there to pick you up. But what about having the kind of friend that will help you keep from falling down? Wouldn't that even be better? You know, there was a young man that was an All-American football player. He decided to go back and take a job as assistant coach as his alma mater. And his job, primary job, is going to be recruiting new players. And so he meets with the old veteran coach that he's working for. And he goes to the veteran coach before he goes out on the big recruiting road and, and get to sign some players. And he asks the old veteran, he said, Coach, I'm about to head out. Tell me, Coach, what kind of player do you want me to recruit? Well, the old coach kind of sat back and, in his chair and looked at him. He said, you know, I've been at this job a long time and over the years, I've noticed there are several different kinds of players. I've noticed you find some players that get knocked down and they stay down. We don't want those kind of players. He said, then there's some players that get knocked down, get back up, get knocked down, get back up, and get knocked down. We don't want those kind of players either. Now, there's those kind of players that get knocked down, get right back up, get knocked down, get right back up. And he goes on, and this assistant coach is getting excited. He said, yeah, yeah, those are the kind of players we want, isn't it? He said, no, we want the ones that are doing all the knocking down. (laughs) But I say that, Some of you in this room need to make a decision to flip the switch from being on the defense all the time and allow the enemy to knock you down and begin to knock him down. It's like you get out of bed and you take off running because the enemy's after you. How about you get up and the enemy takes off running because you start with this Word of God. And you draw a line and say, no more, devil. You're not going to cross this line. I'm not going to fall to that anymore. That's all I have to say about that. If you, we're going to have an altar team come up in just a minute. There's some people in this room that God has blessed you in some areas. And you're looking back and say, man, we got through some tough times. But now you find yourself not spending as much time with God, your family, etc., etc. I'm telling you, today's the day to get back centered again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And just get back in there. Okay? And he can do it today. If you hadn't had a chance to get things right with God yet, we had some people already do that. And you need, matter of fact, if you know you need to do that, today's the day you need to get right with God, or you've never asked Christ into your life, or you've never made a public confession as Jesus Christ is Lord, and you want to do that yet before we leave, hold up your hand. Every eye open, everybody looking around. If you can't do it out in the world, you're not going to be able to do it in a safe environment. Just want to give you one more chance before you go. Many already have. Okay, we're going to stand to our feet in just a moment. Almost got you. And the altar team's going to come up, but you might need to respond to this message. Just that song we sang earlier, you need to come running, some of you, because you just need God to set you free in some areas. But the altars are open for anything, okay? You might need healing in your body. You might want to just come and tell somebody, man, I felt this happen to me in service. I might need some wisdom or direction. I'm going to pray with that with somebody that really had a, uh, just kind of a, a decision right now. And so whatever it is, our altar team is going to come forward. Let's sing through one time before I dismiss you. Let's stand on our feet. Let's worship. Altar team's coming. If you want to respond to this message in any way or anything else for prayer, come on up.